Good evening, everyone. We're back. Surviving Sticky Situations, episode 14. It's been a minute. Uh, took some time, about a week, to read some books cover to cover. It's going to provide you with some new ways to improve your mind, body, and spirit. Uh, we have a have great guest here, the wise and wonderful Abigail O'Hearn this evening. Abigail, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, how are you? I am doing quite well, thanks for asking. Um, so here on the podcast, we are trying to talk about uh, just ways to live longer overcoming obstacles, transformative experiences, just ways to help improve other people's life. Um, and I'm reading a book right now called Belong. And I think that's like the base, the, the foundation to all healthy lives comes with like a finding your community is key. Um, you know, and with the, the age of technology, especially this book talks about how um, it's just get we're getting into a more isolated environment, you know, with technology, a lot of good things are coming out of it. And I always thought like, you know, it, it was overall a good thing, but it is scary, you know, how quickly things are evolving. Um, so that's one of the things that I want to like touch on in this in this event. But, you know, it's more about you. We want to know your story and um, how your life's been and just wanting you to open up and, you know, discuss your feelings and how um, some sticky situations have happened in your life. So I'll let you take over if you want to tell us a little bit of background about yourself. Well, uh, my name's Abby. Um, I'm 19. I just graduated this year and now I work full time at Diamond Pharmacy as a data entry tech on our prison side. So um, with my job, like I'm, I'm full time so I get full benefits, which is awesome. Um, because of that job, I have my own house. Mm. I rent it, but um, it's like really nice. It's in a really nice neighborhood. It's close to work. I can actually walk to work. It's too cold to right now, but other than that, it's pretty good. Um, mm. Yeah, that's like a brief intro on me. Okay. Awesome. So, 19 years old, and you're. Um, able to live on your own, you know, how, what do you think has helped you like become that independent? Cause most, you know, 19 year olds are just not have any idea. Um, maybe not even have, have had a single job yet, you know, based on how their parents raised them. Do you feel like you're, you had a good childhood growing up or? Uh, yeah, for the most part, like my parents separated for a while when I was a kid, but, um, I was the middle child. So, I mean, I am the middle child, but, um, that like kind of like forced me into like a degree of independence because my sister is eight years older than me. And she was kind of like a butthead growing up. Like, she didn't really always do the things she should have done. And then my little brother, he's two years younger than me. Um, he had a lot of issues, like, in school. So, like, my parents were always, like, focused on, like, making sure that my brother was okay and doing what he should have been doing. And um, my sister was in the military for a while and then came home and ended up having a baby so like we have my nephew he's almost seven now and so like my parents were always like trying to make sure that my sister was still doing good so i mean it's not that they weren't concerned with me but like i seemed to like be level-headed enough that they didn't have to watch over me all the time so 
that that definitely gave me a level of independence and then also the fact that like I homeschooled my last two years of high school like I did it completely by myself um and I worked my last two years of high school just to try and get ahead in life I didn't really live at home a lot um my senior year and like the end of my junior year so life was pretty crazy for a while so like I I kind of like was forced into independence but it wasn't like it wasn't like a bad thing like it's taught me a lot like it's really helped me I don't think that I would have my stuff together as much as I do right now if I would have stayed in some of the situations that I was in. Mm-hmm. Well, let's dive a little bit deeper into some of those situations. Um, what would you feel comfortable talking about that maybe someone else has out there struggling with? I think the thing that really, like, made me decide at 16, like, I was about, like, 16 or 17 to, like, really get my life together was the fact that, like, I I dated an addict for a while. An um, addict? Porn, yeah. Porn addict? No. no. Oh. No. Heroin addict. Heroin. Yeah. Oh my God, I can't talk to you. This podcast is over. Good night. <laughs> Heroin. Yeah. Um, I didn't know until um, a couple months before I ended the relationship. But like I like up until the end of the relationship, like I was like, yeah, like I'm gonna live at home forever. Like I don't ever want to grow up. Like this is freaking cool, living rent free. Like. Yeah, man, let's do this forever. But, like, he was, like, he was almost, he was, he had just turned 21, and he was still living at home, like, his mom was folding his underwear for him all the time and, like, packing his lunches. He couldn't keep a job. That seems normal. (laughs) Nowadays. It's it sad. just didn't sit well with me. I was like, I was like, you're like 21 and you don't even want to do anything. And I was just like, I don't, I don't want to be like that. And then like the whole like drug thing on top of it, like I was just like, this is not the path that I want to be on. Like I don't want, I don't want to be with an addict forever. Like I really loved him. Like I thought that we were gonna get married. He had um, bought an engagement ring, but I ended it. I was like, no way. Like. Um, I gave him, I gave him an ultimatum, the drugs are me, and he said me, but he picked the drugs, so I left him, and then, um, I had already been, I had just started homeschooling when, um, I left him, that was like my first year of homeschooling, I believe, so. Like, that, and then, like, I didn't always have, like, a really good relationship with my dad either. Like, for the most part, we were good, but, like, my dad and I are both very stubborn people. Oh, daddy issues. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I'm going to stop you for a second. Let's, let's, let's deal with one topic at a time here. I'm glad you have so many issues to talk about this. <laughs> You're a wonderful specimen to have on the podcast. And we all have our, our issues. I think this center of life is about struggle um so you know dealing with would you say that this was like one of the lowest points in your life was like dating this guy who was an addict where was he your first boyfriend he wasn't he wasn't my first boyfriend but he was my first like serious long-term relationship Mm mm-hmm like, to this day, he's still, like, the longest relationship I've ever been in. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I guess it's kind of a good thing. I'm only 19. I'd be kind of worried if I'd been in any much longer of a relationship. But, um, yeah, I would definitely say that, like, the end of our relationship was the lowest point in my life. Like, definitely. It just got real ugly, huh? Yeah, um, it was just... I mean, 
I used to have, like, and I feel like it's something I need to work on, but, like, I used to have, like, a lot of sympathy for addicts and, like, people who struggled with drugs and everything. And it was like, no, like, they're people too, like, they're just struggling, but, I mean, with the situation that I was in, like, it just kind of, it made me really bitter. Mm-hmm. Because I felt like I just had so much love to give and he picked like heroin and pills and just a really he just made really bad decisions and he picked those things over me and I was like well if I'm not good enough to love somebody then I guess I'm just not good enough at all like because like I didn't really have like I wasn't super close with my family towards the end of our relationship because he had pulled me away and, like, my family didn't know that he was into drugs, and I was embarrassed to say anything to anyone about it. Uh-huh. So, like, I didn't really have any friends. I wasn't close with my family. So, like, at the end of our relationship, like, I mean, I was, I totally ended it. Like, I was, I was very content with ending it. Like, I knew it was what I had to do. But it was still, like, a really low point for me. Like, at the end of our relationship, like, I didn't even know who I was anymore. Like, I didn't have friends. Like, I didn't want to talk to my family about it because I didn't want them to think that I was on drugs and I didn't want to, like, be accused of things. So I just, like, I really shut down for a while. Like, I didn't didn't talk to anybody, like... Just didn't know how to almost find like a healthy outlet to like cope with this yeah. sort of event you know yeah because like um like? I had actually like I found out like through my neighbor that he was a heroin addict like it wasn't even like I found out like from him I found out from my neighbor who had been working at Sheets at the time and he got arrested there Mm. and she knew about it and like we had we weren't even friends yet and um I just went over and was just like talking to her one day um there was like a bad windstorm or something so I was like picking up stuff in her yard for her before she got home I knew she was a nurse so I just wanted to be nice and help her out and so like that got us to talking and so she like she knew who I was because it was a small town and so she was just like oh yeah like I heard about your boyfriend, like, I'm really sorry that that happened, and I just, like, didn't know what she was talking about, and so she, like, spelled it out, and, like, and everything in me just, like, fell, like, I was just, it, I was just, like, done, like, I was mad at everything, like, I left him, and, like, mm-hmm. I just shut down. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough age, but, um, it's it's great that you had, you know, a level head that you didn't get like sucked down into that. Cause a lot of, a lot of ways people start those hard drug addictions is because of their significant other. And it's really sad. And, um, but people are really good at have keeping it a secret too, from that other person. And when you're young and the peer pressure and a lot of, social media and music and whatever art influences you to kind of do um drugs especially in this day and age so how did you kind of not get sucked into that honestly I don't know how because like I knew that he had like done pills every once in a while and he would like drink and we would like go to parties together and um like there would be drinking but like anytime anything like any pills were brought out or anything like I I stayed away from it I was like no like that's not that's not something I want to do like I'm okay to like have a drink or two but I don't other than that I don't want to be messing around with stuff and like after after we broke up like I really like I had this kind of, like, dream of, like, what my life could have been had I not left him. Like, I I really believe that if I wouldn't have left him, like, the way that I was feeling so lonely and um, just unloved that 
I really could have gone down the path of drugs and I'm I'm really glad I didn't like I don't know how I mustered up the strength to leave him after two years like we grew up in the same town like we were best friends and so like I I don't know how I mustered up the strength to leave him and stay away from the drugs but I think that it's the best one of the best choices I've ever made and what what would you say to someone else? So I think that's some some a lot of people are have are going through too. Um, what would you tell that person that is like in that situation? I would tell them to leave. Like especially like we live in a college town, so I mean like we hear all the time about overdoses and there's always parties and drugs and everyone's like, oh, it's the cool thing to do. Like, everybody's doing it. But, like, for real, like, no, not everybody's doing it. Like, it's the select few that, I mean, just don't have the regard for their own life that they would choose to put something so harmful into their body, like, and act like it's fun. Like, just just stay away from it. Like, don't do it. Like, it's really not worth it. Yeah. I mean, like, I I had to take painkillers over a surgery once, and, like, it was, it was bad. Like, I, like, I only took them for three days, and even though I only took them for three days, like, that fourth day that came, and I, I was like, no, I can't take any more, but I really wanted to, like, and that was just for, like, knee pain. Like, I can't imagine, like... Oh, my gosh. Like, it, it was terrible. I was like, I don't know how people enjoy this. Like, mm-hmm. I to mean, just I'm, be on, like, to be taking pills and drinking all the time. Like, I just don't... I don't know how anyone could enjoy that. Like, you can't function. You can't talk. Like, it's it's not a cool thing to do at all. Yeah, and it's, it's few and far between, unfortunately. I mean, there is hope to for these people that are kind of on these, these things, um, that they're able to kind of turn that mess into a message and help other people. But unfortunately, a lot of others, you know, I can't imagine how much more difficult it makes your life once you get off of that and try and live a normal life again. You know, I've never been that close to anyone who's done that, um, sort of thing. Uh, but I've heard stories and kind of seen like famous people who have like kind of they've their art music artists a rock star life, especially like glamorizes that. Um, and some some of really the greatest musicians come back, and I don't know how they do it. You know how how you it's the most addicting drug out there and they're able to um, go to rehab and actually stay clean off off that stuff after they've done it. Some people are on it for 10 years before that anyone really knows. And um, uh, it's, it's just amazing what one thing can cripple someone, put them in the hospital. I, I know people who have died and come back to life, been lucky enough that they can come back to life um, but, and then there are people who don't make it, but, um, you know, it's just, it's just a terrible thing and how, you know, in, you know, to leave that person too is the smart thing to do, but also you're torn because you love that person. You want to support them and help them. But like, what do you, you know, what, what do you do? You just have to leave. Yeah, like, um, in my situation... Do you call the cops? Do you... I mean, you don't call the cops. I didn't call call the cops. Tell Um, someone. He... So, basically, everything that he told me about what was going on was a big lie. So, like, I knew that he had gotten arrested over drugs, but I didn't know it was heroin, I didn't know that he was actively using heroin. He told me that, like, it was a sting and they were actually looking for... They were trying to set up this other guy 
and he like had to be a rat which was a total like lie like that was not true at all but um he was just like no like since I know these people they're like using me to get to like the top of the chain and he literally like he was like you can't go anywhere like you can't talk to anyone like your life is in danger these people will try to kill you and so like that that was literally like the end of all of my friendships like I could like I he told me that like I wasn't allowed to talk to anybody but it he did it to cover his own butt like he it wasn't like I was actually in danger like at no point was I ever in danger of being around anyone except him mm-hmm. like he was the biggest danger and like mm. um god like it's just like so he was like lying to me and like the way that I found out like um so he had gotten arrested and he ended up calling his friend's mom to come and pick him up from the police station and his parents found out who it was and they didn't like this woman and they were really mad about it so they flipped his room and they found like all of the heroin and the spoons and everything and so like even then I was in denial like they showed me the stuff that was in the room and I was still in denial about it and then it wasn't until I like found track marks on him that I was just like I'm done Mm -hmm. so like he was a bigger guy so like he had usually like I guess he like would shoot up in like his feet and like his thighs where I couldn't see it yeah okay and then we don't have to go too much into that sort of detail well no like it was like after I saw like actually like saw what it was doing to him that I was done like I was like no like if you can sit here and do this to yourself and not care about how like his mom would cry every single day you're on we're back we had a little uh loss of recording there due to my wonderful downtime of the iphone this message is brought to you by downtime it will also ruin your podcast um once you decide that it's too late to be on your phone anymore Um, but here we don't stop working we're, I got big dreams that are going to reach a lot of people and change lives, change the world. And we'll pick back up where we left off. So, yeah, um, what I was saying was that, um, like, my ex, like, his mom would cry every day. Like, she was just so heartbroken to see this happening to her son and, like, he just didn't care, like, he just kept picking the drugs, so, I mean, I was just, I was just done, I left him, and, I mean, he tried to fight with me about it, and begged me to stay, and I just blocked him, like, I, I was just done, so. Mm-hmm, and it sounds like he was, um, pretty, like, abusive and stuff, and that can be, like, scary, um, Oh, yeah, you know, like, he, like, used to, he used to, like, sure. leave me with his friends to, like, go get high, and, like, I didn't know it then, but, and he would, like, he would call me names, and, um, he, he, like, isolated me, like, I wasn't, I had to explain where I was all the time, who I was with, he would, like, take my phone and, like, read my messages, even with my mom, like, it was, it was just bad. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, so what did you um, do then to get out of that, like, out of that hole that you were in? Like, you were saying how it really, like, t- brought, like, you just were kind of at this, couldn't really talk to anyone about it, um, and just kind of put you in a hole. Yeah, did I... I was really depressed, like, I had no friends, like, I felt like I couldn't talk to my family just from, like, the embarrassment of, like, not knowing for so long, like, you would think that it would be such an obvious thing, and it wasn't, and so I was just so embarrassed, and we had been going to this church called Amplify, and it's still here, um, and so, like, the people there just had a genuine care for me and for him but I mean after we broke up he stopped going 
So, um, but I didn't. I kept going. Um, and so, like, with that church, like, they just, they really cared. Like, I had, it was no, it was no coincidence. Like, it, the day that I left him was the day that I was, like, signing papers to get this new job. And so, like, they would, like, come in and, like, the people from the church would come in and they would eat. And while they would eat, they would, like, they would ask me how I was doing, how I was holding up. And I was a telephone operator, so, like, when they would call in their orders, they'd ask me how I was doing. Um, and, like, I had ended up meeting this girl named Maddie at that church, which um, she was on this podcast. And, I mean, Maddie and I just could relate with a lot of things in life. And so, I mean, we're still, like, really close, and, um, I became really close with our pastor and his wife, and, um, they had actually housed me for a while, um, last year when I was in a rough spot, so, like, they let me stay with them. I mean, like, these people are just amazing, like, if it weren't for them, like, I don't think that I would be anywhere close to where I am now. Like, they they really pulled me out of a really hard spot in life. Wow. And it was just because they cared. Um, That's good that, you know, there's, you know, just being genuine and um, reaching a handout and um, just finding, like, a a good person to talk to and... um, you know, there's anyone else who's out there maybe listen to this that's, you know, has gone through something similar, you know, we're, we're here to, you know, I would love to talk to you and too, and, um, you know, lean on me when you're not strong and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on for it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've always really liked that song, but it having someone to lean on goes a long way, and for sure. Yeah, and to, like, any, to, like, anybody, like, kind of going through something like that, like, just get out of that situation. Like, I, I don't care if... The sooner the better. Yeah, like, I don't, like, um, if you're around here, like, we have the Alice Paul house, like, they will gladly take you in and help you if it's, like, an abusive situation. Call the cops if you have to, like... Whatever you need to do that isn't going to harm you to get out of that situation, just do it. Because, I mean, I went through it so that I could talk to other people about it. But if I would have known sooner, I would have been gone, like, way before then. Like, I should not have given him the benefit of the doubt and stayed as long as I did. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, so... Actions speak way louder than words. For sure. Um, so then, you know, we were talking a little bit about you were going through also a lot of, like, like anxiety and um, depression, which is also affecting, you know, tons of people. It's, like, the most common mental illness, and we see a lot of memes about it even and just it's made like lightly and you know what what do you think is like causing what caused your you to go into like a depressive state and how did you how do you describe like a being in a depression and overcoming it all of the the above um I wouldn't say that I have completely overcome my depression and anxiety yet. Um, It's definitely something that takes a lot of time and work. 
But for me, what it looked like was, like, growing up, like, you could have asked anybody. I was the most bubbly, outgoing, like, I was that kid that everybody loved. Like, I was funny, and I just loved to play, and I loved to joke, and, like, I, I was, everybody told me that I was a light. Like, I was just a good light in their life. And so when I was depressed, like, and it was, it was at the end of that relationship that I was at my lowest point, but like what that looked like was I barely ate and what I did eat was junk food. And I mean, I didn't even weigh a hundred pounds, which I mean, I've always been smaller, but, um, I weighed like 90 pounds. Like I loved band and, um, I had the opportunity to be doing band even though I was homeschooled and I didn't even take it and um, I just I slept all the time I couldn't wake up in the day like I would stay up all night crying and I would sleep all day and I had no friends I didn't talk to anybody I didn't hang out with anybody this was even after you you got out of this um, yeah this yeah that was even after it was primarily after we broke up that like I really realized I had no friends Mm. because I I had spent so much time with him that I was like okay like I'm still spending time with somebody but like I really had nobody like I was too embarrassed to like talk to my family about it still like I don't I didn't even tell my family about the real reason that we broke up until until I moved into my own house, I think. Like, after I had completely moved out of my parents' house, I don't think that I told them the real reason why we broke up. And so, like, I was just, I was sad all the time. I didn't eat, I didn't sleep, and when I did sleep, it it was nightmares. Like, I used to have the worst, the worst night terrors. I mean, I would wake up screaming and crying and shaking and just freaking out. Just night and, nightmares, huh? Oh, and, well, night like, terrors are different than nightmares. Like, nightmares, like... Oh, they're different. Yeah, like, a nightmare is just, like, a bad dream. But, like, a night terror, like... They... They're severe. Like, it's... Um, you know a lot about lucid dreaming. So, it's, like, lucid dreaming. Like, it feels very real, but it's without the control. Mm. Like, you can't control what you do. Like, everything just feels real and... I would just wake up and I would scream and it it was just terrible. Like, like a reflex, like and just oh, uh, just like like sweating or like sick. Sweating and crying. Um, feel a like couple you're times under I attack. would puke. Like yeah, like it just felt so real that like I would physically react to the dream. Hmm. And um. But yeah, like my depression, that's what my depression looked like and my anxiety, like I was too scared to talk to anybody. Like I didn't ever, like I, I like would stay away from my house. Like I never wanted to go home. Like I would, I would like stay at my friend's houses. I would stay at work late. Like I would do anything I possibly could to not go home just because like I didn't want to feel like an inconvenience and like after we broke up like I I had become friends with the girl next door who had she um I think I brought her up like I said that she was the one that told me but like I would go over to her house all the time and I mean like I just I did not I didn't want to be home because he knew where I lived and we lived, he literally lived two streets away from me. And, like, there was a point in our relationship that we briefly broke up, like, way before I knew about the drugs. But we had briefly broken up, and he had stalked me. Mm-hmm. And so I was afraid of that happening again. So, like, my, the anxiety just overwhelmed me. Like, I never wanted to be home. Um, I was really glad that I had been homeschooled. I had started homeschooling because... He couldn't, like, follow me home or wait for me at the bus stop anymore. Like, it was, 
like it it's so hard to explain but it was like I had it was like I had a cloud of fear over my head like at all times or you even you're just afraid to even sleep because you knew you were gonna wake yeah. up and shake yeah probably. like I didn't I would stay up all night crying because I was just so upset and then I would be scared to fall asleep because of the night terrors and I would be scared to leave the house in case I might see him or somebody he knew and um it was it was just bad like I I almost quit my job a few times just because like I I didn't want to be out in public mm-hmm. and I had um I th- I think for a little while I had even stopped going to church mm. Um, I think it was only like, I think it was only a couple weeks, but yeah, like I just, I, I couldn't leave the house. Like as much as I didn't want to be at the house, like it got to the point where, um, I had still lived with my parents and my mom was like, Hey, like you still live under my roof. Like you need to be here. Like I need to know where you are. And so I had to be there and I, it was just miserable. It, it was just honest to God miserable. So is that the one of the big reasons why you, you know, moved away? No, um... Or did you... This is like... So I, how I had ended up moving out at 18 was, um... My dad and I ended up having a really rocky relationship. We're both very stubborn. And we butt heads a lot. And, um, I like using the word daddy issues. <laughs> I'm not making fun of you. It's just, um, it just um, sounds, my friend, it just sounds My friend funny. across the street, we, um, it was me and her and like her boyfriend and a couple of her friends from high school. We all had like this group chat on Facebook and we all made, um, on messenger, you can like make nicknames for each other. So my nickname in the group chat for a while was daddy issues. So like. It makes me laugh, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, like, we just, it, it had blown way out of proportion one night, and, um, they, my dad, like, kicked me out, like, he told me to get out, and, I mean, looking, looking back now, like, I don't know if he meant it. Or not, because we're, we're still rocky, so, like, sometimes, like, I feel like he didn't mean it, but other times I feel like he did. But, I mean, either way, it happened. I mean, whatever. And I had moved in with, I, it was on a Saturday night, and I went to church the next morning on Sunday. And I, I was friends with my pastor and his wife, and I was talking to them about it. And, I mean, without, without hesitation, um... My, I was talking to my pastor about it before I was speaking with his wife. And without even talking to his wife first or anything, like, he was like, you can come stay with us. Like, we have a spare bedroom. And so then he, like, told his wife. And, I mean, I was friends with her. And she, they were they were so okay with it. And they were just really glad to be able to help me. And I moved in right after church. And um, I stayed with them um over Thanksgiving and, um, through most of December, um, in December, I went home for maybe, like, two weeks, and then, um, I got into a relationship, and I just ended up pretty much moving in with my boyfriend, and so then, um, I lived with my boyfriend until August of this year, and I ended up getting my own house, so, like, that's kind of, like, how... I got my own house. Hmm. Was because like I had I had been out of my house for so long and I I I didn't want to move back home. I wanted I loved the independence that I had. Like I loved how far I had come and I felt like if I would have moved back home then I would have lost a lot of progress. Mhm. So, um and my mm-hmm. my friend Sam um, she's my roommate here. Uh, she needed a house too. She um, she was going through a similar home situation that I was kind of, and she was living with her boyfriend, um, and she couldn't 
her car is like real bad so she couldn't afford like a 30 minute commute to school every day to go to college here so um we were like well hey like we're pretty good friends so let's see if we can find a house together and so in august like we found this place that we live at now mm-hmm. and so we've been here ever since that's awesome well yeah thanks for kind of sharing some of that stuff that you've gone through and uh, um i'm sure you know stuff a lot of people can relate to it's um a big thing and um, it takes a lot of courage to go out and um, talk about this stuff so it shows that you have really transformed a lot um, and and learned from because we're all I mean some people don't ever learn from their mistakes and just you're lucky you came out the other side a better person where like you could a lot of things could have happened and get sucked in or you know, you end up getting going back home and losing all the progress that you've made. Um, so it's just really awesome, and and there's been there's been people who won't talk about their stuff, and I just and I'm not mad at them, but it does seem it's upsetting because it's like it's selfish for you to hold back on stuff unless it's incriminating you. But when you're holding back, it's just selfish oh this is my personal problem like but you know there is it's i hate the word i i i i me 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 it's it's we we're all in this together and you know you just have to really kind of open up and talk about your problems because that's how you get through it and help other people and that's what this is all about and um, it's, I'm, I'm just happy that, you know, your life is really, um, taking a 180 and, um, you know, no, uh, this is a cool quote that I like, no snowflake ever falls in the wrong place. So I think I just really like that quote because it, for me, it takes out a lot of worry. Or worrying about what am I going to become? Who am I going to become? Am I doing the right thing? You know, but you're just a snowflake and you're going to fall in the right place. And when you maybe feel like you've fallen in the wrong place, that's happened for a reason. So then maybe you can talk about it later and share your experience that help someone else overcome their situation as well hopefully well yeah and I mean I think that talking about it helps you maybe more than it'll help someone else because like the more you bottle things up and the more that you hold on to things like the more prone you are to developing these mental illnesses and I mean mental illness is a scary thing like um once you get so far down, like, it, it to you, it looks like there's no way you're ever going to get out of it. And that's when you start making bad decisions. So, I mean, even if, like, even if you just talk to yourself out loud about it, like, or write it down in a book, like, you just, you got to get it out somehow. Some sort of outlet. Yeah. Whatever. Physical art. Yeah, Other like people, my... hopefully, a, I think a community, I mean... There's the hierarchy of needs, and for all your wants and needs, like the community's at at the base, and that's one thing I've been reading in the in this book. But it is in our DNA to have that community, and you know, you had no one, and then you found a community that um, was your tribe that you could relate to and help get you out of that out of that sticky situation too. So. Um, having other people reaching out finding other people in the book is called belong and I, I just started it but it is it, it will show you how to find your community too if you haven't found it you can find it from scratch and yeah so I another quote that I really like is that a flower grows without mistakes 
a man must grow himself or a woman must grow herself until she or he understands the intelligence of the flower. That probably doesn't make any sense. I'll repeat it again. A flower grows without mistakes. A man must grow himself until he understands the intelligence of the flower. Let that one sink in. That one might, might not be ready for that one. Um, but no, and, and again, and one thing I've realized, especially with studying like the human body, um, is that like, we can make all these studies. Oh, this study shows that um, if you do this, this will happen. But we're all unique. And we don't know anything. Um, so I feel like you should question everything too. Like nothing is, is going to... Nothing is concrete. And your mind... Um, we're finding out a lot about the, the brain and... We don't know anything about it. We, we found out a lot more in the just the past 10 years, but that our brain does influence us a lot. Um, so it's just uh, really just questioning every, everything too that you, that you hear um, and making your own decision. You know, whoever's on this podcast doesn't have the an answer. We're just kind of, going off what other, you know, my notes are from something else, some other crazy person said, um, but we're, we're here to try to, there, there is some sort of, um, algorithm to everything and, and, and life, um, yeah, and I, I want to backtrack just a little bit, like, you had asked me um, how, like, what things I was doing to, like, overcome my anxiety and depression. And um, more recently, like, my anxiety was really bad about a month ago. And so, like, what I found was that, like, I got, I got this really cool book, um, it's called the Anxiety and Phobia Workbook, it's the third edition, you can get it on thrift books for, like, three dollars, it's awesome, and then I also got this book called Natural Relief for Anxiety, and I haven't started that one yet, but, like, these books just really, like, dig in to what anxiety is, and, um, and how it's treated, and, um, I never went to the doctor or anything for it just because I was always too embarrassed to go. So, like, having these books for me to read, like, really helps me. And so, um, I've also been kind of, like, I just recently started getting into, like, yoga and meditation and learning about the chakras. And, um, I really think that that can help a lot because it's all based on, like, the yoga and the meditation and the chakras is all based on your body and I 110% believe that if you're not treating your body right your mind is not going to be right mm -hmm. like you have to treat your body correctly for your mind to work correctly yeah and I mean a lot of when you're sick um you know, it might not be your, your body that's sick. You, you might feel sick in your body. It's like, you have to, you know, find, I've heard, I like the way someone said this, like find the origin of, of the pain and yoga and stretching sometimes, especially your hips. It seems like whatever the psoas muscle is. Um, I just heard this in another podcast, you know, was really interesting that your, your so as muscle attaches to your like T12 vertebrae, uh, which is like the only thing that connects your lower and upper half. So like having that tightness, it can have a lot of the negativity. Um, so, you know, I, I do believe that what you put out is what you get back to. Um, and that goes to where like people are all about the the good vibes man um but yeah uh 
having a sense of balance through meditation, I think it's really important um, that everyone has some sort of meditation. I started doing like cold showers to try to like harden my mind a little bit more, controlling my anger. Um, and also um, kind of going into my dreams like we were talking about earlier with um, going into the dream world. And I think this is from a book to fully understand life. We have to learn what happens is happening in, in our dreams too. Um, because I, th I think, you know, getting, getting deep in the layers, kind of like the inception um, can help us overcome, you know, stuff that we're, we're going through when we're aware in the dream um, when we wake up and, and one way you can um, kind of wake up in your dream is to just look at something that's always going to be there the the book lucid dreaming recommends you just like look at your hands um, and it is hard to, you know even the best the people who focus on this daily get into a deep sleep and and maybe only do it 10 times a month get into a place where they're waking up but even when you remember your dreams definitely has a, um, a deeper meaning about stuff that you're going through or, or ways that you're feeling um, and, and can just help you, you know, being conscious in the unconscious um, is just a way you can also let go of things that are like deep inside of you, overcoming that anxiety um, and other ways when you're awake, it's your dreams are kind of filled through like emotions when you want to move through your dreams. Um, you almost have to, you know, again, take away the I, there is no, like, there is no I when you're in that, in that lucid dream. Um, and when you kind of let go um, and use your mind, you can um, really see the um, deepest parts of yourself. Um, so I, I believe it's just really interesting when you um, kind of start focusing on your dreams, either writing down like a dream journal too can, can help, help you um, uh, get through whatever you might be going through. Uh, so Abby, you know, what do you feel, um, like other ways that has you've transformed in life? Transformative experiences. kind of we've kind of talked about a lot um mm -hmm. it is a little we're having this like kind of evening uh podcast too so our brains might not be working as much as they should be but i think it's interesting that you know we do we're kind of talking about sleep so we do sleep for like one third of our life so you know if you're not kind of digging into your dreams and stuff um you know you let you you have to let go of directing your dream and just let your unconscious lead it um to let you um really find those things that are um, bothering you i mean i feel like I feel like right now my life is a transformative experience. Like I feel like what I'm going through right now is transformative. Like I've been going to the gym way more. Um, 
Like, I've been doing yoga, I've been reading, like, different types of books. Like, I typically like to read, like, realistic nonfiction. Like, Ellen Hopkins and is my all-time favorite author. And, I mean, they're not in the same genre, but I really like Stephen King, too. And now I'm reading these, like, self-help books. And so I feel like right now I'm in a very transformative spot in life. So I don't, I don't know what's what's next but um mm-hmm. i know it's something good so i mean i just got to keep on keeping on till i get there right um wow um so is there like any other um any anything else that you feel like you had to give someone advice on maybe like habits or um, ways that they could live longer just like um, any knowledge that you feel like would be important like what's the most important thing that you could tell someone that would help them like live a longer happier life I think everybody needs something to believe in I mean I'm a Christian and I believe in God but I mean Everybody needs something to believe in. So whether that's yourself or God or... um, I remember there was someone on this podcast who... um, He was talking about the speech that Matthew McConaughey gave, which I remember hearing about that speech. And he was like, I believe in myself in 10 years. Like, that's my goal, me in 10 years. And every 10 years when somebody would say it, he'd be like, no, like, me in 10 years. Like, even if, like, that's what you believe in, like, you have to have... You need to give yourself something to look forward to, something to believe in, because that's what's going to be your driving force to keep going. So, like, even if it's, like, a small goal, like, even if it's, like, even if you're going through, like, a really hard time and, like, your only goal is to just maybe roll over on your side off the bed, or maybe your goal is to brush your hair today, like, If that's your goal, do it, and then make yourself another goal. Like, after you get out of bed, make it to brush your hair. After you brush your hair, make it to make yourself breakfast. Like, even, like, it doesn't have to be this huge goal of, like, by the time I'm 50, I want to be a millionaire, and or, like, by the time I'm 30, I want to be married with this many kids. Like, your goals don't have, like, you should have long-term goals, but, like, if you're in a spot where you can't think long-term, like, make it short-term. Mm-hmm. But I like no matter what you gotta have some type of goal. Like you gotta know generally where you want to go. Yeah, I think yeah goals are great, and I think just shooting for the moon and um and but also having like short term goals. Some people only make their goals like once a year, but I think daily goals, writing them down. Um, make them it doesn't have to be realistic it can be it can be unrealistic and if you fall short you might not land on the moon but you'll land in the in the stars or something i don't know but uh no i've favorite things i've heard that yeah like one of the favorite things that i have ever read is don't lose yourself trying to get to the moon because you'll miss all of the stars and there is so much like have your mind set on your goal but don't don't miss out on all the little things that are going by as you do that right like you gotta take you have to you have to have a balance like um it can't be all work and no play and it can't be all play and no work like you have to have a balance like you no you don't just Oh no, you really do. Like if no, if you you're don't. just playing all the time, you can like, work all the time. No, no. If you're working all the time, then you will never have any downtime, and you will become this angry or depressed workaholic. Like you will wake up one day and realize you have nothing because you lost everything because you were too consumed by work. And if you're playing all the time, then you're going to lose everything because you won't, you don't have any goals. Like, you just want to drink or you just want to party or, like, you just don't want to get out of your mom's basement. Like, 
nobody wants to be around that. Like, mm-hmm. not long-term anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you gotta, I... Be- you gotta have a balance. You gotta figure out a way to... No, I, be- I believe you. You gotta have the R&R. And sometimes, you know, when you have, like, big goals, though, um, you, you know, you sacrifice... You give yourself that delayed gratification... Instead of that, I think that the delayed gratification is good, though, in a way where, you know, you want to get ahead in life and you want to work, 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 maybe later on play. You know, I don't think that there is there is a right or wrong. Um, Maybe, you know, there's no there's no perfect workout. There's no perfect way to live. You just have to kind of go with the flow and be forever forever in the present because anywhere else and do you paint eyeballs on chaos that's another um one of my favorite quotes of the of the month but i'm a very i'm a very quotey guy there's so many so many good quotes out there i just love them all um, but go ahead, sorry, I just wanted but, to finish yeah, that. But, yeah, um, like, in, in my life, like, I've had a lot of people pass away, like, I've had friends die, I've had family members die, and I mean, I've had friends murdered, and I've had friends commit suicide, and I had a cousin who died of cancer, and, I mean, none of them, like even though they didn't know that, like, even the ones that didn't know it was, like, the end of their life, none of them were all ever, like, I wish I would have worked more. Like, everyone was, like, I wish I would have made more memories. Like, I don't, like, yeah, work is very important, and, like, you have to have a strong work ethic, but, like, you should, you should have two completely different personalities. Like, you gotta have your work person, and you gotta have your at-home person, and I think it's important to keep those separate because you'll lose yourself if you don't, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. too much work, like, can just make you bitter and too much play can just make you irresponsible. Okay. Well, I think that's um, that's pretty good. And, again, like, you're I think hard work is some. really, I think hard work is really important. Like, I work really hard at my job, and I mean... Everything in moderation, right? Yeah, exactly. So, like, yeah. So, who knows if that's actually... You have to question everything again, though. It might... Someone out there might have... We also have to learn from history, though, you know? We have to learn from history. Yeah, like... It tells us. It tells us what's worked and what hasn't, so... um, We do know something. You should definitely question it, but you should also, like... Look at the where, evidence, where like, it, try and understand why somebody said something. I think people are advancing, and, you know, what your mind believes the the body can achieve, and um, who's to say I can't work all the time and be happy, or perfectly fine and live a long, happy life, or who's to say I can't not work at all and play all the time and not live an, a happy and live long life, you know? So... Yeah, I'm sure there's one person out there who's could disagree with both what you're saying, and um, but then again, I don't know. I would. I I'm not saying I disagree with you. Someone out there might though, and they should. Um, go ahead. Do you have some more to add? Um, so I found more of my notes on. Lucid dreaming. Sorry for stumbling there a little bit earlier. But um, Freud, Sigmund Freud, Freud, according to him, dreams essentially represent wish fulfillments. In dreaming, we learn a bit about the obscure, obscure nature of the ID. Um, so, let me see here. Um, 
Well, I think dreams, I like this one. Dreams are often a message from nature. Um, and yeah, so that's just a little bit more on the, the dreams I wanted to um, mention. Um, and I have some more notes. Any more quotes that I want to throw in here before we end the episode? I'm very disorganized. I have like too many notes. I don't even know where to start. Um, geez. Well, oh, hey, where'd this one come from? So, wow. Yeah, I guess we're just going to end it there because my brain stopped working. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. We'll see you next time. This is Matt Arthurs signing off. Sticky Situations.